This week, as the Cinequatch must stay home, Studio Ghibli embraces CGI, PlayStation embraces a new generation, and Netflix embraces fantasy for its new series The Witcher. Hello and welcome to the Cynical Optimist, the inspiration for a long-forgotten sonnet. I am Phil. And I am Nick. And this is the podcast where we wax lyrical about the film, TV and gaming news of the week, and then in the second verse we move on to rap about a single season streaming show. Uh, but anyway, before we get into today's episode, uh, we decided not to do a show last week due to the recent activism and conversations worldwide which are taking place, uh, started obviously by the tragic death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. We put out a statement on Twitter at the time, but basically during a week when there's so many more diverse voices to be heard, we felt we possibly we couldn't possibly uh, add more than what's been said, and we thought it was best to spend last week just listening and reading whatever we could instead. We don't want to talk um, about our nonsense while there's actual stuff going on in the world. Yeah, you don't need you don't need two white boy takes at a time like this. No. Um, so whilst I've got some. Uh, positive responses from industry that I'm going to highlight as part of the, the good news section at the end of the show. I thought it was just worth making just a brief statement before we get into it, because I don't know about you, but I've not really mentioned any of the major delays or anything uh, caused by, obviously, companies trying to be um, empathetic at a time like this. No. But anyway, uh, with that kind of kind of heavy start out of the way, how are you, Nick? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Very good. Same same as every other week. Thank you for continuing I to mean, ask me. <laughs> well, it's, it's important to check in, isn't it? And it is. If those listening from the UK will know, lockdown is slowly but surely being eased. Mm. Uh, I think now if you want, you can book tickets to go to the zoo. <laughs> um, but obviously they've got that... Uh, so they've got that social bubble thing for people who live by themselves. I haven't looked into it too much, but I'll probably because I yeah could potentially go. If you're a single, if you're just on your own in a household, you can merge with another household, like some yeah. sort of Voltron shit, you know. That's the thing. I have to find someone who's quite happy with me being like the guy piloting the head of Voltron. I guess that's the most important bit. <laughs> uh, but that's you know that's a complicated conversation because everyone wants to be the head. <laughs> Okay, I've probably mentioned every week that I'm not going to do any of the coronavirus delays, but I thought this was quite an important one because uh, Tenet has pushed back by about two weeks to the end of July. Still July. Um, mm. But this was kind of the film that Nolan was betting on reopening cinemas. Um, and it was kind of what I was banking on as well to go back to my job. <laughs> um, yeah, because they're, they're allowing um, uh, drive through cinemas to open in the UK aren't they but I don't yeah. even know where any are well no exactly but we had a vague plan to because the release date for Tenet was the 17th of July originally mm. which was kind of what we were aiming for um, to reopen with social distancing measures and whatnot. apparently Warner Brothers might be slotting in a 10th anniversary inception into that slot now so Nolan still gets to do it <laughs> <laughs> bless him well you know he 
he, he wants it, you know. And Wonder Woman's been pushed back two months as well, um, because this is all part of the same studio, part of Warner Brothers, so mm. had a knock-on effect on all of these. Yeah, that's October now, isn't it? Yes. So it was August. So we were going to cut... Well, originally it was like May, wasn't it? Yes. Or, yeah. Because we were going to cover it for this run of shows, but actually at this rate, we're going to be covering it for the next run of shows. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's that's. I thought that was quite interesting because Tenet seems to be the linchpin of cinemas reopening, um, and that that could push things back a bit because we need a new film. But who knows? Inception might do quite well. It's a great film. Hmm. Well, the thing, to be honest, there's going to be a certain number of people that I just looking to go to the cinema again aren't they yes oh I'm sure it will bring in crowds but um, I think I think it's a wise move because you push back Tenet by two weeks then that gives if, if cinemas don't want to do the whole Inception thing then it gives them a bit longer to put measures in place and stuff for, um, well it's almost like a um, rehearsal for Tenet isn't it yes because at the end of the day that's a film that Inception is a film that is readily available now yeah so you're going to have obviously the slightly lower demand. You're going to be able to test out all your new social distancing systems. You, how you've probably had to change your booking system. How yeah, all mm. of that in those two weeks before reopening. Mm. Or like you say, just take it as an extra two weeks to prepare otherwise. Indeed, um, the other film that was pushed from cinemas completely is the new Tom Hanks movie Greyhound, which is now arriving in July on Apple TV Plus. Um, is Apple TV Plus even available in the UK? Yes. Ah. Um, I learn something new every day. <laughs> I know. In fact, I've just bagged myself a free year's trial of that from buying a new iPad. So that is actually a, a free film. year trial. I know. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say like there are things I'm interested to see on it because it's got that um that show from Rob McElhenney who does um It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia about the video game studio. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a there's a sort of D and D one on there as well, which looks quite interesting, isn't there? Hmm. Yeah. So that's yeah. As much as I um, can jibe at Apple TV Plus or whatever it is as being yet another streaming service, <laughs> I have been hearing some pretty good things about what it's actually got on it. So yeah, yeah. You'll you have to let me know basically. I will. I'll have a, pr- a good old peruse through there at some point now that I've got the trial. But mm. we did we didn't cover any from Apple TV Plus on this entire season, so. <laughs> No. Whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> Who did the most? I think it was Amazon probably got the most out of this, wasn't it? No, it was um actually ended up being pretty balanced. It was a uh, free Netflix, free Amazon, one Disney Plus. Ah. But when you consider that Disney Plus only has like one show that's new. Yeah. <laughs> we could have done high school musical, the musical, the series. I campaigned strongly for that. You did. It was in our um, Google Docs plan for the season. <laughs> and if you'd been watching, obviously, you can look back at the track changes, but it doesn't emphasise just how many times Nick wrote it out for me just to backspace <laughs> and delete it. Uh, we should have. Um, <laughs> you know the Dark Universe? Uh, I've, I vaguely recall. Yeah, still going. Uh, anyway, we also got a trailer for um, Bill & Ted 3. Bill and yes, Ted I face saw the that. music. Um, sorry, no, I will go back to the previous article. Uh, Ryan Gosling has been cast as the Wolfman for the Dark Universe because they're still trying to make that a thing. Apparently, the Invisible Man was okay, but I didn't see it because I was kind of tainted by the mummy. Anyway, uh, Bill and I Ted- saw a lot of people tweeting about it when it was like either it was some kind of anniversary from when it was announced, maybe. Right. 
uh, for the Dark Universe because I remember that picture of them all sat in like the dark room wearing the dark clothes. Ah, uh, like, yeah. Oh, this is our Dark Universe. <laughs> I think most of those actors probably got their names scribbled off the contract in the end. Yeah. Javier Bardem was there as Frankenstein, wasn't he? I can't remember. Sorry, Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> um, Bill and Ted face the music. Have you seen the trailer? Yeah. What do you think? I've, I think I have seen the original Bill and Ted films, but I think it was years and years ago. Mm. I thought it looks like it'll be a little bit of a fun throwback. It mm. looks like, like it looks like all the cast are having fun. Yeah, but it was a bit strange seeing, obviously, uh, Keanu Reeves uh, without clean a shaven and obviously <laughs> getting back into that role. Yeah, um, I've never actually seen the original. Um. Well, again, it's one of those films I don't know if I actually have seen. <laughs> uh, I think I've definitely seen the first one. I'm not sure if I've seen the second one. It looks like a lot of um, 90s movies. It very much is. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, we're having a, a bit of a revival of that, isn't it? It's kind of coming back into sort of fashion, isn't it? That whole 90s era of things. Well, I think roughly the nostalgia cycle is 30 years. Right. Oh, so sense, I think yeah. we're going to start going through the nostalgia for everything from the '90s now. Yeah, because I remember, like, and then starting from like the Sonic trailer with, with Jim Carrey and um, Gangsters Paradise and stuff. I was oh like, my, yeah, yeah, Gangsters Paradise. That still is like baffling to me. That, that was because the music in the final film is actually pretty good. Really? That's yeah, a, like it has, like it has quite a nice um, piano cover f- uh, of. Green Hill Zone that was done by John Baptiste. Mm. Yeah, that was, I think it was John Baptiste. It was whoever's the um does the music for Stephen Colbert. Right, okay. Um but anyway, yeah. Uh, um that means the thing that I'm actually think's gonna be weird is when we get ten years from now and we're doing the noughties nostalgia. Yeah. And revivals. Yeah, because we we were well, ninety ninety five and ninety six, it was quite hard to kind of um reminisce too much about the 90s whereas when it gets to the thousand, the noughties it's going mm. to be weird isn't it yeah cause it's, well it's going to be all of a sudden stuff from our childhood mm. rather than stuff that we knew about but didn't release when we were kids my god and we'll be the ones complaining about how nothing's as good as it used to be <sighs> we're going to be the ones complaining about how these sequels ruined the franchise <laughs> in quote marks we're going to rebrand as just the cynical the, yeah the cynics <laughs> Studio Ghibli has a new film on the way, um, making the switch to uh, more of a sort of CGI um, job on this one. I mean, they've they've used computers and stuff to enhance their previous few movies, but this will be a sort of fully CGI um, adaptation of a, of a of a book, Aya and the Witch. Um, yeah, I've seen. I haven't seen too much of. I haven't looked up too much visually about it, mm. but I have seen this news, and I'm a bit sceptical, just because obviously Studio Ghibli is so well known for just their amazingly crisp 2D animation, and mm. like their 2D works, I am a bit concerned, mm. <laughs> because there's definitely like bits in um, other anime things where they'll use like the 3D, mm. and then you can just tell, but then I think that's maybe because it's trying to do it as a mix. Whereas this, at least they're going whole hog, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm very I think, um, sceptical. I think I'm interested to see how it 
um, how it goes. I think they're an imaginative enough studio that they'll there'll be a good reason for why they're doing it and um, yeah I'd, I'm, I'm, I'm remaining optimistic about this one interesting mm-hmm. uh, not too much news this week um, but I wanted to end on <laughs> both Eddie Redmayne Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson and Rupert Grint and more <laughs> have come out and written essays about um, trans rights and how women are women in every scenario and yeah it's <laughs> this is following on from JK Rowling's rather controversial comments and, and and essays she's written I think she even wrote for the Daily Mail about this at one point which is doesn't say a lot of good stuff really does it mm. <sighs> no it's um yeah I think it's yeah let's let's focus on the positive that is a large number of um Respected actors and actresses have come out mm. and uh, shown their support for trans rights. Mm. As for um, J.K. Rowling, I uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't got I haven't got the words for it this week, but um, I wasn't <laughs> particularly impressed. No, um, I th- I think it's really nice that all the actors came out though because they 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 didn't have to. Um, Mm. J.K. Rowling is kind of their boss <laughs> in some ways, <laughs> especially Eddie Redmayne, who's still in that franchise as, as it's going in production kind of thing. Um, but I think it's very brave of all of them to to come out and and say um, and stay in support of of trans people because I mean they're people and trans women are women and trans mm. men are men and yeah. and um, as I've seen quite a few people say, a Harry Potter is a book where. Harry has the hat put on him, and it goes to classify him as one thing, and he says, no, I think I'm more this. And he goes, all right. (laughs) Yes, indeed. So this week, Sony had their PS5 reveal event, where they showed off 26 games and the console itself. Uh, I'd ask if you saw it, Nick, but I only remembered it was happening because I saw your tweet about 15 minutes into it. <laughs> so uh, just showing just how amazing and committed and <laughs> thorough I am in this job. So I um, went back to the beginning and watched from the start. Mm. So I'm just going to kind of... I've got my rough notes because I was taking notes throughout it. There are definitely games I think we're both going to want to talk about more and other ones where we'll probably just be like, yes, that was a game. <laughs> um, but as I know you've seen it too, just obviously... Mm. Uh, Feel free, basically, to stop me and be like, "No, I've got stuff, something to say about this." I will. Um, first off, let's just talk about how the 2020 holiday season console started its big old games reveal by showing off the game that came out in September 2013, <laughs> which yeah. is GTA 5. Yeah. And my notes say, uh, "GTA 5, fucking lol." <laughs> Ha 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 ha! GTA Online for free as an incentive for PS Five? Question mark. Yeah. Because it seemed like a really um, that's I don't know. I guess um, with most things like this, you put something strong at the front end, something strong at the back end, and yeah. then if you had something like this, it'd be one of those things that's just in the middle. Yeah. It felt really strange to say this is like the first thing we want to talk about. Yeah, it kind of preceded like the first sort of um. The bit where they said, here are the new games kind of thing as well. So it was kind of like a... What's the word? Like a prologue. Mm. Which was weird. But, yeah. And if you buy 
GTA 5 now for PS4. You get a million pounds every month. Not cool. real money, though. <laughs> In-game money. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, then next was the first full new game, or not, or maybe, <laughs> as the following few days would <laughs> seem to discuss, with uh, the sequel to uh, Spider-Man, the, the obviously the PS4 game, I think. Whilst we didn't do it as a topic of a podcast, I think we have spoken it on here before. Yeah. Uh, I think probably during the awards of the year it came out. Mm-hmm. But this is Spider-Man Miles Morales, and it's got very um, focused trailer on Miles. Yep. And this um, this got a bit confused by the media in the following days, because first it was a sequel, then it was, uh, no, this is just a re-release of the first game, but with more stuff. Then that was a executive talking out, you know, speaking incorrectly. <laughs> Now it turns out it's it is a standalone game, mm. but it just I think reuses a lot of the assets and everything from Spider Man. So I think that that's probably the studio feeling almost. Uh, does they don't want to call it a sequel because the implication of sequel is like it might be it'll be bigger or have all this freshly made stuff. Yeah. Whereas actually, what this makes me think of is uh, more. Uh, Zelda Majora's Mask, which was a game for the N64, mm-hmm. which um, basically, when Ocarina of Time came out, it was this massive hit, and uh, Miyamoto, who I'm sure you've heard of, mm-hmm. uh, wanted to make another sequel in a year, but what he wanted to do was make basically what's called what's now called Ocarina of Time Master Quest, which we re-released in the same game, but it remixed all the dungeons and re- like just added a few new things here and there. Right. But E.G. Uh, Ionuma, who uh, was an assistant director at the time, and now he directs these Zelda series, basically said, no, I don't want to spend a year just doing the same game again. I think yeah. I can make a new game in a year. And so, as a result, in order to do that, they reused all the same assets, which I guess is a bit of the story I'm getting to. But they reused them in such a way that it made this new experience. I think a simpler way of saying it is it's it's Hobbs and Shaw. It's a yeah, spin-off. that's probably way simpler. <laughs> it's a spin-off. Yeah, you're right. Quite right. It is a spin-off, but I think I say more on like it's um production. Mm. And it's, it's, it's a spin-off that kind of uses like some of the, the the base mechanics and the maps and stuff from from the original. Like I've not seen Hobbs and Shaw, but I imagine it's not just reusing shots from old Fast and Furious movies. It, I mean, it might be just mirroring them or yeah. You, you, you just swap out the car. It's pretty much the same shit. That's not even swap out the car, you just use the uh, paint bucket tool to fill it in a different colour. <laughs> anyway, so speaking of cars, that was brilliant. Um, You're welcome. Next was Gran Turismo 7. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I've, I've not played many driving games. I actually picked one up for PC that I've been meaning to get around and just do a bit of play on, because I'm not sure whether my opinion will change, have changed of driving games uh, now I actually know how to drive in real life. Hmm. Um, <laughs> You just you feel the need for speed on public roads now. Well, it's it's more I'd, I'll um, play Gran Turismo and I'll be checking my wing mirrors, <laughs> indicating. <laughs> um, I'm excited for this because the last uh, Gran Turismo I properly played was Gran Turismo 6 for PS3. And the only one they did on PS4 was GT Sport, which um, I, have, I've, I own, but I haven't actually played yet. Because <laughs> it seems like a... Well, it seemed like a sort of... Um, a spin-off variation from Gran Turismo, so I, I, I'm looking forward to a game that has a bit more functionality and a bit more of the, um, 
because I didn't like the sort of the stuff I didn't really like was the continuous race series on what GT Sport was about. Whereas the like the original Gran Turismo games, you had a bit more um, ability to do sort of coffee club races and stuff like that, and more options for cars and stuff. Um, hmm. So this yeah, this is a game I'm really looking forward to. So actually, it's been quite a long time since the last Gran Turismo game, because when a game gets announced with a 7 at the end, I kind of assume that it's not been too long since the last one. No, it's been a while, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Skipped basically an entire generation. 3, 4, 5, and 6 came out, like, pretty quickly to each other, but, yeah. There's a new Ratchet and Clank game announced. Yes. Uh, called uh, Rift Apart. Yes. Uh, that one, I think that... What I will say about this whole presentation is it was much better than the Xbox one at showing actual gameplay. Yeah. And whilst obviously you have to take everything you see in these as a pinch of salt because um, I think every interview I've ever read about the gameplay trailers and you know the demos and stuff like that from like developers afterwards is like yeah basically if you'd gone any further than that it would have all fallen apart. Basically these demos are usually held together with, like sellotape. <laughs> and just made to look as good as they possibly can yeah. for this like two minutes. I was I was very impressed, like at this point in the press conference. I was pretty much like, Yeah, three out of three is impressing me, like some old titles. Um in fact in fact three out of three was old titles at this point, but um, Yeah, mm. I was I was quite impressed at how much they'd managed to sort of develop in, in relative secrecy as well, because I like the Spider Man thing for instance, I was like what the hell? This didn't leak. Yeah, um, I've got some news about uh, a different company game leaking later in the news, but mm. um, I'm very impressed. So yeah, just there's so many titles here that just hadn't been mentioned at all. Mm. So next was the first new IP. It was the Project Athia, which kind of looked like more of a kind of fantasy game. Mm. So I kind of it looked interesting. It looked very nice, but I was like, mm. <laughs> literally, my only note was cool dragons. And that was it. Mm-hmm. However, it was followed up by the trailer for Stray. Yes. Where it was kind of a implied to be this post-apocalypse. Well, you don't know what's happened to the humans. It's just implied that they're all basically dead. Yeah. Um, and it's a robot society, but you play as a cat. It looks great. And to be honest, I'm just like, yeah, this is sold. Yeah, <laughs> I think, and it's that's the kind of thing. That trailer as well gave me a bit more renewed hope that we're going to see some nice mix of different stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, definitely. By this point, I was like, oh wow, look, they're, they're, this is just this isn't just like a load of old titles. This is some really cool, new, visually distinct IPs as well. I, initially, I thought it was a saga video game. <laughs> hmm. You know the image comics. Oh right, because yeah. I saw the, the TV people, and I was like, oh. But um, nonetheless, it still looks really original. And playing as a stray cat is just like okay, <laughs> we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there was a few years where I think more obviously not Nintendo. Nintendo always get does the same thing mm. for better or for worse. But definitely where Xbox and PS4 were trying to like be like, oh look at this, the most manly games, mm. manly manly like cod <laughs> guns. And what actually was good about this entire presentation was that Sony were like, here's a nice variety of stuff. Mm. And then we get... And also, for some reason, they, they split the trailers up with these weird, like, basically fill-in things, which are usually based around the four PlayStation buttons. Mm. However, this is the one where they actually went into the controller. 
Mm. Um, and what I found quite funny about this was that they managed to sneak in. Well, they actually, these these were specs not just for the controller. They did have the first little bits, a bit pieces about the console as well. Like it confirmed it was a Blu-ray. It would play Blu-ray. Yeah. And it was a solid state drive. Well, 4K was, Ultra HD Blu-ray as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what I found it quite funny is how they snuck in some things. So it was like ray tracing, haptic feedback, adaptive triggers, USB port, motion <laughs> sensors, built-in mic and speaker, free aim- <laughs> free millimeter jack, 3D audio. Um, I know the, 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 the controller's been out for a while, but the speaker and microphone is genius because I really hate wearing that flimsy little headset. So good job. Mm. Yeah, and it's kind of... Um, Controllers are already expensive, mm. so it at least saves you having to buy like their specifically branded headset as well. Now the next one uh, was about the person who crashed on the planet, and this one looked like a good trailer until they revealed the title of the game. Do you remember what the game was called? Oh, something generic. Returnal. Returnal. Oh, that's it. <laughs> And I just, I just, yeah, I was bitten like golf smack silence from that. I was like, this was such a good trailer. And then, <laughs> and also I noted uh, that it has a, it has a shot of the char- main character walking through like a field, brushing like the crops, mm. just like Thanos in the in the end game trailer. <laughs> Returnal, my Returnal. god. Uh, we're getting a new Little Big Planet game, although it's just called Sackboy: A Big Adventure. Yeah. And I believe the Little Big Planet games are usually 2D, as in like they've got 3D graphics, but they're kind of side scrollers. Yeah, this is a proper Whereas, platformer, isn't it? Yeah, it's a proper 3D platformer, so that's mm. quite interesting. You um, know what? I liked. I, don't... I liked the look of this um, until they did mm. like the like blatantly gendered sack girl reveal. Yeah, I was like, but mm, I, I think it's this? got. Yeah, I mean but... it's. It's interesting that there's been a bit of a resurgence of the more 3D games and good ones of co-op. Mm. Um, because it, they can be fun. This reminds me very much of Super, uh, Super Mario 3D World, basically. Mm. Where it looks like it's still quite linear, but you can kind of take a few people through it. Mm. Uh, and to be honest, yeah, I think the trailer did emphasise kind of female sack girl a bit too much. Which is weird because just like I think they've got a nice design in the first place with Satboy because like you look at Satboy and it's like a pretty much gender neutral looking character. You don't need to do the female spin off. And also the games themselves, I'm pretty sure, had just feature a ton of skins for Sackboy anyway. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of a very customizable thing. Yeah. Like it would have been better just having a like just I, I was going to say a slew, but even just like three or four. Yeah, and just showing those in different pair combinations, just going through the levels, be like, look, it doesn't, you know, we don't care. There's going to be lots of options. Setboy has ruined their their queer status icon. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, well, the game looks fun anyway, so we'll get more details of that, I'm sure. Uh, the next one looks like Fortnite, but with cars. Oh, yeah, didn't really. This one didn't really stand out to me much. No, so it it looked very much trying to get in on the arena fighter. I thought that I thought it was Fortnite crossed with Rocket League, just yeah. smushed together. That's the thing. It felt almost very cynic, like it felt very cynically targeted. Mm. 
It's like this this get this is a popular thing. This is a popular <laughs> thing. Get back in your car. You're not going to outrun a car. Get back in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it reminds me of the um, the old road rash games where <laughs> the you could get knocked off your bike. Uh, and then the next game actually was um, looked very very nice. Uh, this was Kino Bridge of Spirits. Oh yeah, sort of a Zelda Zelda esque. It looked almost like a Pixar film. Yeah, with a bit of sort of Zelda esque kind of visuals and stuff going on. And speaking of um, Zelda esque kind of visuals, the the music for the trailer was actually done. Not by somebody who's worked on the Zelda series, but it's by like a small, uh, an up-and-coming composer. Mm. But what I recognised him from is that he's done a series of Zelda remix albums, uh. which I actually have in my car because I like listening to them. Oh, uh, cool. Uh, so actually, no, I was very pleased when I saw that pop up in Twitter yeah. afterwards. He was like, pleased to announce I, I composed this. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Well, it's like what you were saying earlier as well. I like how this entire... Um, presentation was not just like adults RPGs and stuff it was just kind of a good mix of stuff kids can play families can play yeah yeah. well the thing is this um, especially this uh, what Bridges uh, Kina Bridges Spirits yeah looks like something that I could very much get into but also has the kind of bright vibrant colour styles where you could probably yeah like a, a child could probably enjoy it as well like it is really one of those all ages kind of things mm. Uh, and nothing kind of nothing I think encapsulates the fact that the PS4 uh, PS5 will have a wide range of games quite like the next trailer mm. which was Goodbye Volcano High oh it looks good <laughs> I mean it, it looks a little bit um, 2010 Newgrounds animation <laughs> but I was a bit at that point I was just a bit like so this this system is going to have something for everyone isn't it yeah <laughs> It's um, it's curious. Like the, the from the style of the trailer, I'm wondering how that would actually play. Whether it, the, I wonder if the gameplay would look two D, well, sort of vaguely two D, isn't it? And anime, yeah, anime it inspired. Did seem, it did seem to be like a story trailer, didn't it? Mm. Which makes me think maybe it's a um, like just a uh, like a, one of those novel games. Mm. So you, it will just be a lot of cutscenes, and you just make the decisions going for it. Telltale esque sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, but looks good. I like the look of it. Yeah, uh, it was at this point, by the way, that I started to note that the transitions between the sections with the the PlayStation buttons were quite strange. Yeah, I wrote it in my notes. <laughs> um, then I'm going to be honest. The next two games uh, were, were Oddworld Soulstorm. Like I've heard of Oddworld. Oh yeah. It, it looked quite interesting, but it wasn't really mm. much to say. Ghostwire Tokyo. Ah, spooky ghosts in Tokyo, as I called it. <laughs> Which I think would be a much better name. <laughs> to be honest, that is a better name than Ghostwire. <laughs> and I guess the fact that it's Ghostwire colon Tokyo means that if it's a success, we'll get ghosts in every city. Yeah, it looked good though. Spooky the city, city looked great. Yeah, again, it's another one which um, looked very nice visually, but I actually have no idea what it was. Some of these trailers, including this one, had a bit um, of footage of kind of like the developers and stuff talking about it, um, which I thought was quite interesting as well. Hmm. Yeah, no, I did appreciate the developers who came and just uh, did their intros and like, talked about their games. Yeah. And then the one after this, I thought you may have, uh, may have taken your interest just because obviously you just bought No Man's Sky. I did? And this one was this uh, space apocalypse game. 
Yes. You know where you which had... one was this? Jet. I think so. Yeah, the one where it was a really tiny ship on the screen. Right. Like, it looked like you're really, really zoomed out. They fired out a load of sci-fi's at once, which was quite confusing. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. This, <laughs> this, this is also where in my notes it starts to get a bit confused. Yeah. But I thought, yeah, it could be a similar, similar style again. That one, this one looks like it's more spaceship focused. Mm. Because obviously No Man's Sky is about landing on the planet and going and looking, looking around. Yeah, um, as a sort of mini review, I've I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed like the, I mean it's a bit of um, tutorial for about quite a long time, about 40 minutes. But then when you get in a ship it's like pretty, pretty incredible to be able to just pop over to different planets and stuff. It's more like a expose of tech rather than a fully fledged game still. Um, but I got it cheap, so... So even after all its updates, it's still a bit of a... I mean, I'm probably still in the sort of tutorial stage of things. Right, um, yeah. But, yeah, it's not It's not something you can pick up and just, like, have a blast with or something. It's, it's you've got you've to go and get some oxygen to power your mining tool, and then you've got to power up your ship using hydrogen chloride. And it's just like, yeah, it's... it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get it. Very you. interesting tech demo. And I got it for the price of a tech demo, so there we go. <laughs> Apologies to those people who spent fifty quid on it at launch. Yeah, <laughs> but if they've stuck with it, I guess they've got quite a few good updates yeah. through the years. So anyway, I'm gonna. There was next was an, a really really generic looking arena fighter called Godfall. The only thing that was worth saying about it was the fact that it's been developed by Gearbox. Okay. Um, but aside from like, it just looks a bit. Another one that looks like it's just chasing trends. Can't remember what that was, but <laughs> that's probably not a probably not by accident. <laughs> it's um it was a very generic trailer. Yeah. Uh, the next one though was a very dope looking trailer for Solar Ash. Oh yeah, that was one good. of those sci-fi ones. But this is the one where it showed that bit at the end where like they walked around and it was like yes the the path curved but they stayed obviously the gravity stayed uh, on the ground yeah that looked really like cool Super Mario Galaxy art style was beautiful in that one yeah no I thought that one looked really nice mm. there's the there was a trailer for Hitman Free uh-huh. again which looked pretty good actually even though I've never really been into that series it it was a bold looking trailer literally a yeah. bold looking trailer. And it showed gameplay as well because that's the thing. It it did a short trailer, mm. then a developer thing, and then it actually did show some gameplay. Because yeah. at first I thought it was just going to be that really short trailer at the beginning. I was like, okay, <laughs> why, <laughs> why though? Um, and then it was real big tone shift because it had that really cartoony one next with all the blue robots. All the blue robots. Which one was that? I'm surprised you didn't rip, like, because I was watching, and it goes, so it did, like, the Hitman trailer, mm. then it did a very quick flash-up, I think, what the uh, PS5 menu's going to look like. Oh, right, yeah. And then it was just Blue Robots and, like, really, like, <laughs> upbeat music, and I was like, God, this is just going everywhere, isn't it? I think maybe I nipped the loo for this one, because I literally don't remember any Blue Robots. Ah, uh, see, I, I, I nipped the loo after the next trailer. So the next trailer was... Um, the little devil inside, which was that weird art art house looking one with all the people in rooms and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it made the poop joke. Oh. <laughs> uh, then I, uh, it looked alright, but I didn't really know what the game was even about. A lot of a, a few of these I noticed were developed by uh, Anna Purina, who who's sort of known for as a film production company, which I thought was quite interesting. Hmm. 
Well, it's um, yeah. I think that the, there's a lot more scope for that. I think nowadays as well, mm. and it's it's just as important. I think to get a good direction in a game trailer and in a game broadly. Mm. But obviously, a game trailer is something that someone from a film studio would obviously be able to put their expertise to yeah. directing a game is very different yeah. because obviously you're saying how things should feel how they should play I can't remember if there was one of them developed by them but um, it was uh, it, it had quite a quirky style to it, it kind of looked Wes mm. Anderson in its kind of um, framing and yes yeah no I agree so then it was NBA 2K21 which is when I went to the low mm-hmm. uh, when I came back it was food as bugs oh this looked I mean there's been a lot this may have been one of not even lying this may have been one of my favourite trailers from the whole thing really because it was just mad it was like I had no idea what I was even looking at there was a lot of sort of kids inverted commas kids games trailers in this in this presentation but like I complained a bit that it looked very PS2 maybe even in its graphic like the textures and everything were were off but the thing is, when I say it's probably my favourite trailer, it's not for the right reasons. No. <laughs> it didn't look particularly amazing. Mm. It seemed to be doing an idea that I think has been done before. Like, even if you go back to what Spore or whatever, uh, Viva Pinata was another one yeah. that Rare made back in the day. It was just the fact that it, they were just it was just so sincere mm. and was just really going for it. And it even went so far as to end and to end on like a cliffhanger with evil food coming out of the forest <laughs> as if to be like there's gonna be a story <laughs> and I was just it's just you know sometimes confidence is key yeah it's bonkers um, is, it, is it Australian developed because I noticed like a lot of the characters are Australian accents if so I'll take back my criticisms about the, the graphics and stuff because I'm, if it's some sort of in, very independent company then fair play but Hmm. I haven't looked at it, but I think there's quite a few indie games throughout this actually. Yeah. Or games that were from an independent, uh, from a you know a quite small studio, but they were maybe getting published by a bigger name. Hmm. Um. Then Yoshida uh, popped in to say that they're making Demon Souls. Mm-hmm. And then he popped out again, and then it was a shooter, which I was very surprised to see was a Bethesda game. Is this Deathloop? Oh, wait, no, it's Deathloop, that was it. Looks good. Yeah, no, it looks very interesting. Um, it's going to be something to see how the the scope of it is. Yeah. Because I, this looks like the kind of game where I'd be alright if it's quite short. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, it seems like quite an interesting sort of um, gaming style because it kind of, you, you reset and do things differently. Like, like, But they use that as part of the actual plot of the game, unlike other games where you obviously just respawn. Um, hmm. But yeah, I really like the look of this. I thought it looked really cool. Yeah, now this seems like the kind of thing where, based on that mechanic and kind of that story, hmm. I'd rather something that was quite concentrated. Hmm. And like you sit down and maybe it takes you a few hours, but you're like, God, that was really satisfying, hmm. rather than, oh, I'm on hour 30 yeah. of this. There's another casino I need to escape from, whatever. Uh, then there was Resident Evil 8 Village uh, Village <laughs> um, Then Pragmata Which was the one with the Space cop and the little girl But the girl's a robot Oh yes. the cat's a hologram Oh yes and everything's a hologram And there's a satellite falling through the hologram yeah. And they're trying to stop it uh-huh. 
That was weird. Yeah. There was a Horizon Zero Dawn sequel announced. Oh, yes. Horizon... Forbidden Forest. Forbidden Forest. That's it. Uh, Vicky rates Horizon Zero Dawn very highly, so... Cool. Uh, and also, I like the fact that it started with uh, cities overrun with greenery, because it reminded me of the Nature is Returning meme that everyone is doing at the moment. <laughs> And to be honest, it's just an interesting visual visual style to that game. Like mm. the first one as well, this one looks like it's getting more into more focus because I think the first one is still pretty fantasy, whereas this is like no, no, it's a post-apocalyptic Earth, and you're going to be travelling through cities and stuff. What I found quite interesting about both this and Village was they kind of um, their initial marketing wasn't just on the fact that it was a franchise game, like. I, I watched both of those trailers and was like oh this looks pretty cool and then they reveal that it's actually part of a franchise at the end and you're like oh, yes. okay alright yeah, this stands on its own without just without just uh, name baiting it's they look like actual yeah. actual games shows a lot of confidence as well when you're not just like it's the newest entry in the such and such franchise yeah. when you can show the trailer and then be like this is what it is yeah. and people are like oh I get it yeah that's yeah <laughs> I'm going to go um, and buy yeah, that, Village. That... <laughs> anyway, that was it for the games. Um, and then we saw the console for the first time. Yes, where memes began. <laughs> there was... Uh, yeah, what is that console design? What do you think of the console design first off? I've been talking for a long time. You can take us through this. Um, I quite like the slim, the digital version. Um, without the sort of protruding lump at the at the bottom for the disk drive, it looks it looks like it's pregnant with a CD. Doesn't it? <laughs> it does. I think that's. I don't know if that's intentional. Whether they've kind of designed it so people will make the switch to, almost, to digital at some point. Yeah, it's almost um, trying to wean people off of physical media by just making the physical uh, console version. Mm. Uh, look worse. I mean, they definitely started with the digital version because that I think the digital version is quite a nice design. At first, I wondered if it would go horizontal, but then I saw some additional pictures after the event, and it does, which is good. Um, okay. Yeah, I think like you know what, like design is subjective, and it, but I I think you can only go so minimal at, at a certain point, and like the Xbox Series X is that it's kind of yeah it's a black cube great no we've seen a lot of black cubes um hmm. why not do something oh, yeah, defi- it's definitely i definitely prefer it to the xbox mm. because the xbox is just too much of a almost like an oblong shape mm. compared to um because the thing is as much as i d- there's lots of consoles over the years that have looked quite bad mm. um it, and it's always a good idea to remind people at times like this that the gamecube had an actual handle on it yeah, <laughs> but I yeah I don't think the PS5 looks too bad. It looks a bit over designed, mm. but at least it's going to look a bit different. And you know what? By the time they bring out the the black version and a slim version or whatever, like it's you, you're not even going to be talking about the design when it's upright in white. It does look a bit like a Wi-Fi router, as some people have pointed out. But um, yes. yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. It's it's tough for me because I I'm tempted to. I might actually get based on what we've seen from the game uh, reveals. Like this is the first PlayStation in a long time, which is tempting me at launch. Um, hmm. I think it's going to depend on when in twenty twenty one a lot of those games coming out. 
That's true. Because I think we we very briefly messaged uh, about this. I think on Thursday evening after we watched it, but um, it's not necessarily having a lot of titles at launch because no one, a lot of people will only be able to afford to buy one or two games. Hmm. Uh, it's about having that steady flow of titles. Yeah. So that once they've played the game they bought at launch, there's something else for them to play yeah. straight after. And it's that getting that flow. And I think as long as these these titles are all spaced out across what twenty twenty one, a few of them were twenty twenty two, should be pretty good. Absolutely, yeah. Um but yeah. also it comes with a media remote? I think that's really useful because I, I use my PlayStation four for everything, like Netflix, Amazon Disney Plus, hmm. like it's it's all my content is on there, because um, hmm. I I don't have a smart TV, so like that's that is all my content. And I think a media remote's really useful for someone like me, um, and that's why I'm really tempted um, to get this at launch. Um, but again, I'd be I'm a bit worried about going for uh, the the digital version or the or the real version because I love the design of the digital version, but I've still got some Blu-rays knocking around, and you know what, like. Yeah, am I going to just rely on digital for all my games? I don't know. Hmm. I think, yeah, it's going to depend on the price point as well because that was not hmm. that was not discussed. No, but I guess I think they've they've rumored around four hundred, haven't they? Yeah, so that may be. I don't know. It really depends uh, on the stuff about backwards compatibility because hmm. then, obviously, for me, I never. There's quite a lot of PS4 games I never played, so. Hmm. I would have plenty to be getting on with because a lot PS4 games. I think you can get a lot of them for like a tenner. So I would, I would be getting, I'd be, I'd be getting like the disc version. I'd just be I suppose. The back catalog. I suppose because I've still got all my PS4 games, so I could carry on playing. I could, could totally get rid of my PS4 and carry on playing Battlefront and whatnot on the console with the disc version. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I would have to go for the disc version then, but um, it's a shame that the design is seems like a bit of an afterthought for it. Yeah. And like I say, not completely convinced that was uh, an accident. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was probably, I don't know, maybe a couple of months like into development. They said, actually, can we release this as digital only? Oh no, we've got to do a disc version. Just, just lump it up a bit at the side and pop a disc driver. Hmm. So that's the PS5 overall. Hmm. Reasonably optimistic all round, I think. It's a it's a very good presentation, and I'm yeah, I've I've never really sort of sat and watched the entirety of these games presentations, but it's very engaging. A lot of interesting titles in there. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> PlayStation One E Three this year, <laughs> because this usually would be the week we would be discussing E Three. Yeah. Uh, which is probably why that next week EA are doing. Uh, their own presentation. They're doing an EA Play oh, presentation. I might as well watch it. I've got the time these days. <laughs> um, did you see about the game that supposedly leaked for it? Oh, Rogue. No, just Squadron. Yeah, Star Wars Squadrons, mm. which I haven't really looked much at the detail of. I'm just probably going to wait for the trailer or the the announcement. Which will be it out does look like, with this podcast. It does look like it's a bit of a um, team fighter game. Mm. Whereas actually... If you ever played it, like the old Rogue Squadron games, I'd like a game like that where you just fly around on missions. Yeah, I've, than, um, I don't need another massively multiplayer game. I'm interested to see because I've never really sort of got into just the sort of flight, flighty Star Wars games. Like I never really mm. play Starfighter Assault on Battlefront. It's not something that interests me that much. So I'm in, I'm interested to see if it will do, if it will add anything to 
to that, whether it would be Battlefront in space kind of thing, or um, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see the trailer because yeah, it's a Star Wars mm. game, which is tempting me, obviously. But yeah, I think after yeah, well, we'll report back on the um, the EA presentation next week. Mm. Uh, last night there was a PC gaming show. I'm going to be honest, I didn't have enough. It was a three-hour show. <laughs> I was complaining about the hour-long PlayStation one. <laughs> I don't think I'd have watched that even if I wasn't busy. No. But um, I flicked through, and some of the things that came up were like uh, Persona 4 Golden is getting released on Steam. I think that's already up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a new trailer for Surgeon Simulator 2, but I think that had been previously announced. Uh, and another trailer for The Last Campfire, which um, is the new game from Hello Games, who obviously made No Man's Sky. Mm. Which is a lot more um, smaller, smaller in scope than uh, No Man's Sky, That's which is probably not difficult, is it? <laughs> yeah, but it's just a good chance for a lot of indie trailers, really. And I do intend to go through the big list, but PC gaming shows always a bit of a. It's so long; it just makes it a bit too difficult to cover properly. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just be trying to look at the head, see what comes from that over the next few days. Mm. I haven't got very many stories outside of this, to be honest. One which I just included, it's not really a gaming story, but it's quite interesting, is that... Well, it is a gaming story, but YouTube is now the top mobile game discovery path for kids. Yeah. Well, there you so, go. So, more than anything else, um, they're more likely to pick up a mobile game because they saw it on YouTube. Wow. So those all those adverts for Clash of Clans And this and episode stuff. of the podcast is brought to you by Raid Shadow, Shadow Legends. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> 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 it's not unless you want to sponsor it's, it's, us Raid not. in which case I, if you want to sponsor us then I, I, I'll i cut this joke out um, <laughs> and you can sponsor us like legitimately <laughs> and the to be honest a lot of these headline stories are mostly included just because they were just more interesting than anything else right like Sky Sports obviously the, the football's coming back and they're gonna offer a version of the audio track for the football which has FIFA 20 crowd noises in it. Right. Even though the stands are obviously going to be completely empty. Yeah, that's interesting. And I don't know whether that would be... Like, whether that would help or whether it would just be really unnerving <laughs> to have all these empty stands and all this cheering. Well, maybe they should get FIFA to add virtual people into those seats as well. Well, yeah, it doesn't have to be like the modern day tech. It can be what they did in like the the past, which is just have like crowds of basically silhouettes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then if you've got a four K TV, you can look at the terrifying faceless men in the background. <laughs> Why else would you buy a four K TV? <laughs> and finally, for weird product of the week, Sega has revealed that they are releasing a Game Gear Micro. So we had a little bit of a break from these micro consoles, didn't we? But uh, it's back. They're back. And well, the Game Gear itself was a portable console. And what's different about this one is that there's going to be four different colours and they're all going to have different games on them. Hmm. Uh, so one of the uh, the black system will have uh, Sonic, uh, Puyo Puyo, Outrun, Royal Stone. The blue system will have Sonic and Tails, Gunstar Heroes, Sylvan Tail, Bakabakal Animal. Bear in mind, this has mostly been just announced in Japan at the moment. Oh, they're tiny. They are. They are. Like they're so tiny that there's also going to be a um, a magnifying glass you can buy. No, I'm not actually kidding. Oh, this big window thing. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and then the red, um, 
has games from uh, Sega's Atlas uh, developer, and then oh, and the yellow is from Sega's Shining Force eight, series. Eight centimeters. Is that seriously? Yeah. My God, that is tiny. Yeah. With it, it's the kind of thing you could definitely lose down the back of the side. A one point one five inch display. That is like that's like an Apple Watch, isn't it? Hmm. My God. Yeah. <laughs> Two tiny little AAA batteries. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to stop reading it. <laughs> Toss a coin to your Witcher, a valley of plenty. <laughs> That's a jam, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I thought you were going to go a bit more, um, a bit more into it. Uh, I did have the lyrics up, but um, I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> Toss a coin to your witcher A friend of humanity <laughs> God, I was listening to that for maybe Weeks <laughs> after I finished watching The Witcher That got stuck which is in the my show head we're talking about today. Instantly Yeah, yeah. Um, So anyway, this is uh, The Witcher It's a Netflix series that came out uh, December mm-hmm. uh, Worldwide So I watched that in- Instead of The Mandalorian Because that was not available in the UK yet <laughs> It's based off a series of books by uh, Andreas uh, Sapkowski. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, which follows the uh, the main character Geralt of Rivia, mm. who is a magically enhanced monster hunter known as a Witcher. Mm. Uh, which I always found when I played, because I played a bit of The Witcher Three, and I always found it a bit confusing that he was called a Witcher and he didn't really hunt down any witches. Yes, it was, but I think possibly. That's just, you know, it's very much a catch Well, I think he did hunt down a witch, if you know what I mean, Phil. <laughs> That's true, we'll get to that. He had sex with one. Um, <laughs> maybe that's why he's called a witch. <laughs> anyway. Um, so it follows him. He's a... Well, yeah, he's, it basically follows him on his adventures as a monster hunter. Mm-hmm. But it's not just about him. You've also got um, Siri, who is... A young girl who has uh, you learn throughout the series her connection to Geralt mm-hmm. uh, and also uh, Yennefer is probably the other main character because mm-hmm. it's it's those three that you follow throughout and Yennefer is the aforementioned witch mm-hmm. that Nick was refer- referring to um, we'll, um, we'll, there'll be mild spoilers um, but then we'll do we'll, we'll try and do a section with, with no spoilers but you know what it's a fantasy series and <laughs> I think yeah, a lot of this, this was one, quite this, predictable. Yeah, and it's got a bit of a rolling story, but the um, each character's story flows at a different speed, mm. which took me a few episodes to actually get my head around. Hella confusing. Yeah, because you come back to the same events. Yeah. Like, there's stuff that happens in episode one, which you come back to... Yes. ...when another character reaches it in their timeline, mm. and then I was like... I swear I recognise all these people. For a while, I thought they'd just been really... It'd been one of those really strange things where the same actress was playing a different queen in a different kingdom. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I was like, didn't she... Yeah. <laughs> so, first off, we, let's let's loop back to the beginning and say, Nick, what did you think? Um, I saw a lot of good stuff in this show. Um... But I think it could have done with overall more consistent show running um, mm. because it is—it's a very—it's a very nerdy show. 
It is, yeah. And it it required you to know... It's one of those things that requires you to know different names and different yeah. and it, beasts and different lore and different tribal factions. It's got a bit of the... um. That was one of the things, honestly, that always put me off Game of Thrones was I don't I couldn't be asked to learn all of that. Stuff. I suspect this is like a very uh, book accurate show. Um, I've never read the books, but I, I assume it's very book accurate. But I, I don't know. I I've, I've the, some bits some bits are some bits aren't because my friend uh, Ollie has read all the books, right? And he gave me quite a long speech over which bits match and which bits. Right. Don't. Okay. I can't remember though. But the uh, <laughs> the non linear storytelling, like um, on top of a fantasy, is it's not for someone who's going to go in and watch this like casually in the background, which is what I did. Um, <laughs> it doesn't help that you, you know how a couple of weeks on the Tales from the Loot review, I was saying like you don't need to start the the show with that big expositiony bit from Jonathan Price, where he says like, "Oh, you've never seen anything like this before. This is Tales from the Loop kind of thing." This is the sort of show that maybe could have done with something like that. <laughs> maybe just have Jonathan Price pop up and say, "Once there were dragons and genies and witches, but one man stands against evil, and he's Gerald of Rivet." Kind of thing. Like you don't get any of that. It just goes in. You're know, like, okay, this is this is the land. This is the fantasy. Even even if you just frame that first episode uh, through the narrative device of somebody telling someone else about the Witcher. Yes, I mean like. I, I I mean, then you've got obviously the the old comment of how do you know about the bitch you weren't there for, but no one would have really minded. No, exactly. It's yeah, it's a it's a hefty old show, um, which I found a bit much because like I I I liked Game of Thrones um, and I like a lot of fantasy stuff. I like Lord of the Rings and whatnot, but this is kind of this is like straight up fantasy with um, there are some sort of Hollywoody bits in it, but like you've got to be committed to fantasy as a genre if you want to sort of. Go yes. really into this. <laughs> it's it's not for it's not for people who only have a passing like interest. No. You have to be quite a big fantasy person. And to be honest, if you've if you've played the Witcher games, you probably are that kind of person because those those are the same. Yeah, and it's and it's long form storytelling as well, unlike films and whatnot. Like it's it's very long form. Um, mm. But no, I thought like another thing I would have I don't know I, I would have maybe done differently if 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 I was show running this was maybe team up because I think there's a great dynamic in episode six I think or maybe five where you get um, Jaskia, Yennefer and Geralt so that's the bard, the witch and the witcher which I think is like an amazing dynamic like you get comedy you get yes. romance you get like the sort of third wheeling of that like it's it like that was the peak of the series for me and, and it's a almost a travesty to me that Again, mild spoilers for this. That that's their only episode where they get as a sort of trio. Yes, I know that. Um, this very much felt like it was an entire season of setup. Because mm. I was reading some of like the interviews, and they're like, "Oh, this was just getting us in a good position." There's going to be more of that stuff in season two, right? But I quite agree. I think almost again, it's mild spoilers. But the fact that the the three leads barely interact with each other. Mm is definitely a weakness yeah. but I'm not sure whether this will be a show that in the future you're like oh it's really good you just have to get through you know just have to blast through the first season because yeah. it's just setting up yeah and I'm sure because yeah the setup is interesting there's there's some stuff that feels a bit overly dark and sort of reminds me of the early DC universe where it's kind of um, it's all melodramatic for the sake of being melodramatic whereas I um, yeah I, I think the the 
it only it, if I'm being really honest and brutal about this, like that that episode, the the, the dragon one, um, is probably the only bit in the series that kind of hit hit its potential for me. Um, hmm. There was some interesting stuff with with um, Siri and whatnot, but I think like if you you could have condensed this series down to six episodes. Uh, oh, my phone just went off when I said Siri. That's funny. Um, <laughs> you could have condensed this series down to maybe like five or six episodes, and then I think you would have still got the same amount of characterization and, and narrative. See, I I liked probably more than just that because I liked whenever it was just Geralt going after a monster. To be honest, yeah, that stuff was fun. I I thought that was I liked the as much as I could have done with more of the cast interacting. Mm. Part of the good bits of the series was just getting away from all the overarching story stuff and it was he was going after a monster and he had to think of something he had to try some attempt you know yeah obviously there's i think it's episode two he does it and then obviously the one where he actually properly meets yennefer he's doing it as well uh and just watching him just grunt his way through like a monster battle and stuff like that is always was just quite he is a grunty man as we discussed on the last episode he's fuck There's a lot, a lot, but Henry Cavill does a really good job. Yeah, that. yeah, I'll agree with that. I think like he, to be honest, like I think the Bard actually carried a lot of that series for me because I think that them two, they're bouncing off each other is just like it's 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 brilliant, isn't it? Because you've got Henry Cavill just as you say grunting his way through it, and then you've got the Bard kind of just trying to create a, a nice chirpy song about what he's doing, and the, the he's just getting pissed off with him, and it's just it's a great dynamic. Yeah, and obviously uh, later on in the series, it is one of those things where he, Geralt is forced to obviously acknowledge that this annoying person. <laughs> it's a bit of a cliche, but it's like the annoying person that's followed me around. I actually do like them. Yeah. So they can, you know, I will help them yeah. out. Um, but yeah, you're right. It wouldn't have been the same without that dynamic because, quite rightly, I think Geralt is just not a very talkative person. No. Like he's not the kind of like you wouldn't have got. You almost need someone else there to. Almost be the, well, the exposition. That's why person. I just love the setup between him and Yennefer as well, because Yennefer gets him to talk, like just naturally, because obviously there is a there's a there's a romance there. Um, yeah, and um, I, I enjoyed Yennefer's story actually as well. I thought that was very interesting. Yes, I mean it's it's very it's very um, interesting from the start. It's and it's to be honest, got some of the most tragic bits of all, any of the three stories. Mm. Because that's another thing, is Geralt being this, uh, you know, this witcher who's got, like, the extended lifespan and stuff like that, and he just goes about doing his business. Mm. Like, the interest for him is watching him fight monsters. Mm. The interest for the other two is the story. Mm. Although, I definitely lost track of all the uh, the legions and the kingdoms oh, and God. who was fighting who. Yeah, by by those sort of final episodes, I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. As as you said, I think like some of the the mid adventure, the middle adventures are, are some of the best ones. Like I thought that dragon episode was was brilliant, mm. um, especially with the side characters like the, the dwarves and everyone as well. I thought that all of them just bounced off each other incredibly well. I don't know if it's a spoiler all... to say that there's a dragon episode, but I have you. I mean, in a fantasy, I was going to say fantasy. How show. many fantasies have you seen where they don't say the line? Dragons have been extinct for generations, and guess what? There's at least one dragon. So, yeah, 
Every fantasy does that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought that one was a particularly good one as well. And uh, Geralt and Yennefer, obviously, they always have different motive. They, whilst they have that romance, mm. they always have different aims. Mm. And it's just watching to see if one of them will screw the other one over mm. or not a little bit. So it's, but it's more. It's definitely. It's you know. It's quite multifaceted in that way. It's not just simple. Yeah. I mean, it does. The show does rely a lot on quite old fantasy tropes, but then they're from quite you know they're from like a series of fantasy fantasy yeah. books and I and it doesn't matter as long as you kind of do them well kind of thing. It's um I think like yeah once you get you got to get it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mission to get past the sort of the non-linear narrative in this but I think if you can then it is an engaging show. Um hmm. and it, at least it will be an engaging show as we were saying earlier like by the next season and they've now that they've established all these relationships and stuff but um yeah. For instance, that there's that episode where, um, for for one reason or another, the the witcher has to take the bard to a mage, um, and then you see that Yennefer is an established mage in this in this village, even though, like an, uh, one or two episodes prior, she's only just gone on to be a mage kind of thing. So it's like, it's um, yeah, there's yeah, and just um, I've got the just the Wikipedia page just obviously to remind me what happens in what episode. Hmm. And it's even in like the same episode description. It's in twelve forty. This happens. <laughs> Meanwhile, in twelve forty nine, it's like, my God. <laughs> and I think they are doing away with that now that everyone is uh, all, spoilers. All everyone up. is mildly at the t- same time frame, mm. at the very least. Uh, they're going to be doing away with that kind of way of doing things. Mm. So I think the next season, at the very least, will be easier to follow. <laughs> <laughs> do we need to do a spoiler bit for this? Because I think we've. There's not really that many more spoilers that sort of need saying, is there? Uh, I'll say that the uh, I agree with you that the the middle episodes are better. The I thought the the opener and the closer were pretty pants. Mm. But um, I think that the the way that the the series ended was quite a powerful moment. Yes, that last scene was very mm. good, and there was some interesting stuff, I guess, in the build up to the end regarding Geralt's backstory. Yeah. But honestly, this is one of those shows where I think if you're a fantasy fan, you'll love it. If you're not, you won't. Mm-hmm. Like, there have been shows that we've looked at over the past few weeks which probably warranted much more of a um, nuanced take. Uh-huh. Because they've got this, they've got these, you know, they've got this and this that you might like, this and this you might not. This is like, if you like your deep cut fantasy, you're going to like mm. this. If you watch thing, if like you don't like watching Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or anything like that, you won't. No. Because it's a lot more names that you can barely pronounce to remember. And you'll probably end up just calling him Gerald. (laughs) And Jennifer. Yeah. Gerald and Jennifer. Gerald and... It's funny how the change of a letter can make two people's names go from being these... (laughs) These intriguing fantasy names to being just like... (laughs) Or, you know, just people at the office. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know what? I, I bounced quite a lot back and forth between watching this on to like whether I would pick it up on on season two uh, for one reason or another, whether we had to do the podcast on it or not. But I mean, like, if I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely give the first couple of episodes of season two a go um, if they can sort of fix the wrongs that I found with this one. In that they got a, they. I don't know. Maybe they realised into development that their their sort of main characters or recurring characters had already great chemistry together, and maybe they'll lean on that more for 
upcoming stuff. But I, I think personally, it was a bit of a creative mistake on a few of these on most of this series to not have them interact more. Yes, no, I agree. I think I enjoyed the first season well enough. Mm. I'm gonna, I'm the same as you. I'm gonna probably watch the first few episodes of the second season. But if it just goes back into more of its, oh, this kingdom hates this kingdom. Yeah. We're gonna spend ages on this. I'll probably put it down. And just, just cause I, you know, I, I, I just want to see more. Uh, like you say, the main cast going on adventures. Yes, yeah, for sure. Like a few more standalone episodes of like different mysteries to solve or whatever. Because yeah. that's what's kind of good about the games as well. Is that all of the side quests are full blown like little stories. Yeah. Which is obviously more than most games do. And also, it's a book, so I'm sure there's plenty of chapters which are just standalone tales. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I want. I'm the same as you, I think. Which is a uh, interesting because I wasn't sure how you were gonna respond to this one because I got <laughs> I, I got the sense on a few occasions you weren't keen on us uh, you're like oh I've got I've got to watch The Witcher now <laughs> and I, I kind of was and even throughout watching the series as well I, I did but then like there are there are some pretty golden moments which um, yeah it did exceed my expectations for sure but also yeah I think there are there's definitely a lot of room for improvement yes yeah and if it depends as well if there's more earworms, you know, more songs, more bangers, yeah. <laughs> more tunes that absolutely slap. Am I right? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just going to be in my head all day now. I'm going to be editing this uh, later and just going to be like, <laughs> yeah, that was a jam. So throughout this season, given the. Uh, Given the obviously the coronavirus pandemic and now obviously the protests and activism that's taking place all around the world, we thought it'd be good to take some. Like, we're not a very uh, we're not a political podcast. At the end of the day, we uh, re- we report on the industry and we give our take. Uh, if you draw something political from that, that's that's on you really. Although I think we do we are reasonably progressive between us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this week, rather than, obviously there's still a lot of uh, great things going on regarding coronavirus, and I think as the case numbers continue to go down worldwide, that is just a very positive thing. But this week, I wanted to instead to highlight some of the responses from the games industry, I haven't got anything from the film industry in front of me, just in response to all of these, uh, in response to the renewed conversation on uh, racial inequality. So, for example, um, uh, the Halo Three Four Three, who are the the um, developers of Halo, mm-hmm. or they're the the developers of Halo now, uh, of are donating 100% of the proceeds from one of their DLCs. Amazing. Uh, between uh, f- for a period of a month when it, I think it comes out, so it will be. Uh, that will be donated to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. Amazing. Um, a lot of developers have also said they're going to be uh, clamping down on uh, unacceptable language and racism within their own online communities. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing where I'm pleased to see it, but you could have been doing that anyway. Yeah. Bethesda have uh, donated a quarter of a million dollars to various organizations, but they've not said which ones. Uh, I'm going to try and focus on the ones that have actually given more details. EA has donated a million dollars 
Um, so this is across uh, multiple organisations, including the Equal Justice Initiative and the NAACP Legal Defence and Educational Fund. Um, Evo, which we talked about in our last episode, is the on is the uh, the tournament that usually takes place in Las Vegas. They have uh, donated fifteen thousand uh, dollars again to the NAACP, but also to the We Love Lake Street, which is a charity dedicated to rebuilding businesses destroyed by the riots. Right, cool. And there's a full list. I'm gonna, again, like I've done before, I'm going to post this. This is a Games Industry Biz web page where they're collating it all which I'll put in the show notes for anyone who wants to go through. Yeah. But you've got, like, Humble have uh, created a million-pound, million-dollar fund that will be dedicated to helping publish games from black developers. Jackbox have made a donation. There's a lot of good companies doing a lot of good stuff. Um, Naughty Dog have put out a statement, and they're uh, supporting companies. I think it has been good to see all the, the statements, and it does feel like the people driving this movement have finally got some momentum mm. so I guess that's good I don't know if yeah sorry I feel like I've just kind of talked around no, 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 that's right. it's, it's, it's that, I think this is why it is important to um, for the protests and stuff I think there's a lot of people who do disagree with um, the protests going on especially from social distancing perspectives and whatnot. but like I think it is, it, it's crazy important to stand up and actually speak out for <clears throat> this thing that's affecting Billions of people, um, and I think if the games industry is going to um, help, then then clearly something has has come from from the process in in just a tiny fraction of 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 the world. But that's the stuff that we deal in, so that's that's why we're talking about it. Yeah, uh, and obviously there's lots of good causes out there to support if you want to support as well. Mm. Um, I won't. There's a thing is I won't point to one specific one because you may want to do something more local to you mm. or do your own research. But anyway, with that, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Cynical Optimist podcast. If you want uh, updates during the week or occasional tweets when we remember to watch gaming streams on time, <laughs> uh, you can follow us at Cynical Podcast. Uh, you can follow me at Hadoenk. We've got another show that's called Not My Star Wars, which we created a pilot for back in February, mm-hmm. uh, which you can follow at NM Star Wars. And once we're done with this season of Synopt, I think we're just switching gears and moving on to that hopefully if we can if we can meet up again that's true well we, we can start the pre-work yeah I still haven't started playing either of uh, the Star Wars games I need to play yeah. so that'll be my Sundays <laughs> my Sundays up until now have been um, podcasts but then I'll be playing Star Wars games that's true yeah Nick where can people find you uh, you can find me at Mick Nortimer on Twitter where I occasionally tweet but yeah mostly I'm I'm active on the old at NM Star Wars so please please give it a give it a follow and next week we will be back for the uh, season finale of our fifth season my god <laughs> where we will be talking about The Midnight Gospel which mm. is a animated show you can find on Netflix if you want to watch along with us mm. but until then I have been Phil and I've been Nick take care keep safe and have a very good week we'll see you soon bye bye